It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be a part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. <laughs> Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has actually read the books she's asking questions about <laughs> and asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. So enjoy listening to the podcast. That's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and we need more word nerds like yourself, people that are passionate about books. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we chat to authors about their writing, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V, and on co-hosting duties, we have Adrian Beck. How are you tonight, oh, yes. AB? I'm, I'm so excited. Christmas is just days away, and I've got my favourite little elf to talk to tonight on the show. <laughs> She's uh, she's in the Christmas vibe too. I can I can feel it. I can feel it through the Zoom call, Danny. So let's get to her. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And it's been a long time coming, I think. And today we welcome Alison Tate or A.L. Tate, internationally published best-selling author of middle grade adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, and of course, co-host of the excellent So You Want to Be a Writer podcast. I love having the author slash podcaster on. It's perfect. Welcome, Alison. Yeah, you've got to start. Uh, not only not only also slash podcaster, but apparently also Christmas Elf. Christmas or, Elf. Adrian, you missed a big opportunity there, the Christmas Elf. I mean, <laughs> oh, what were you thinking? Christmas Elf. Are you really going to leave it to me to pull out the dad jokes? I don't think that's going to work. Oh, and Adrian, uh, no. for those of you who can't see it, he's got his Christmas hat on. He's channeling Santa. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm aware that this is a this is not a visual medium, but it just gets me in the vibe because I know that Danny wouldn't let me do a Christmas episode, A.L. Tate. So I said to her, that's not fair, Danny. Don't be no. a Grinch. And I, I said, I know the perfect guest who would love to do a Christmas episode. And I said, we, we will do it despite you, Danny B. And so, so this is the A.L. Tate special slash Christmas special of Words and Nerds. And before the end of the show... Listeners, uh, A.L. Tate, uh, who's got an amazing, amazing voice, is going to belt out a Christmas carol for us before the end of the show. So so oh, stay right to the very end. The <laughs> foreshadowing of this story yep. is extraordinary <laughs> right there. I'm thinking oh, a bit of Mariah Carey. What's her song? Oh, uh, she song? does love the Mariah Carey. All I Carey. want she for Christmas is you. Yes, that's, mm. that's easy to sing. That's just yeah. very, I've got the octave voice. range. I can do that. It's no Probably problem at all. Voice. No problem. What about... Oh, holy night. <laughs> what about that one, A.L.? You could do that No, one. it's funny you say that because I was just belting that one out in the shower. There you go. Uh, I could not hit a note or a night, so that's probably not <laughs> ideal. Before and the end uh, of the show, A.L. Tate's going to sing a Christmas carol. So that, that's uh, her contribution to Christmas, and that was her idea, but um, she's, she's uh, very excited, so stay listening. Oh, she's wait. forgotten it was her idea, so clearly <laughs> she's... <laughs> Had a bit too much of the Christmas cheer already. <laughs> Alison, in the last five minutes, Adrian has come on and described you as an elf and me as Grinch. So mm, Merry Christmas um, to you, Adrian. That's okay. He's wearing a fluffy hat. I mean, what ho, are you going to expect from a guy in a fluffy hat, right? Now, what I, well, yeah. Now, what I would like to, uh, to tell everyone is what you would love to find under the Christmas tree is none other than the Firestar, a Maven and Reeve mystery. I mean, it's almost, if you look at it, if you look at the actual front picture, it looks like a little bit like there's a Christmas star 
which is the fire star above oh. sort of it's got almost got a Christmassy feel about it so you could almost decorate your tree with multiple <laughs> copies if you, if you felt like you really wanted to get the Christmas fire but the fire star is, I feel they should, they should, should why not they? I reckon 20 to 30 would just about do it um, yeah but the fire star is very, very, very Christmassy. Very Christmassy story, as far as I'm concerned. A.L. Tate, it's a Maven and Reeve mystery. Yes. Do they save Christmas? Uh, in this particular story, they do not save Christmas. There is Possibly actually the no Christmas theme whatsoever in this one. <laughs> they do save a dazzling jewel, which would look spectacular would. on the top of any Christmas tree, were one to be so lucky, yes. um, or under the Christmas tree even better for one to wear. Uh, they, do, they do do that. Uh, yep. they, save, uh, they save someone from themselves. That's pretty mm. helpful. There is a bit of saving, but no Christmas. Okay. Well, I may have. I may have. I was picking up on the themes. You might have over. You might yeah. have overstated the Christmas content a little here, but you know, touch. I feel we could go with the theme. There is a <laughs> there is a, a tree involved, so that's helpful, right? There's a Absolutely. beach. There's a secret society called the Beach Circle, and yes. their uh, symbol is a is a tree uh, yes. with a small red robin on it. Um, so possibly we could. Mm, extrapolate that Let's out into Christmas it. if we needed mm. to. Yes, mm. a red robin then a Christmas tree. Yeah, the size is really good for a stocking filler, don't you think? It's perfect. It would stuff any stocking in mm. the most glamorous and mm. perfect way. Stuff your stockings, people, with the fire star. <laughs> stuff your stockings with the fire star. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, like, I, th I feel like we perhaps did that in an awkward sort of way, explaining the 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 idea really? behind the book. What makes you say that? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Adrian, <laughs> but if it wasn't, if it wasn't a, a Christmas theme, which I'm trying to claim it is, if it wasn't, um, how would you explain it, Al? Just out of interest. Oh, how would I? Like, taking the Christmas out of the story altogether, yes, if you can, if if one one could leave it aside um, yeah. for a moment, um, it is. So the Fire Star is the first book in the Maven and Reeve mystery series because there is actually a second one coming next year, which is quite exciting. I have Ooh. written it. I know it's even more exciting now that I have written it. Yes. Um, it is complete, and I do know what happens uh, because I was talking about it a little while ago somewhere and someone said to me oh and how's it going and I'm like oh, what's it going to be like what's it going to be about and I'm like I have no idea because I had yeah. not written it at that point but now it's done um but the uh, Maven and Reeve mystery the fire star is about Maven who is a maid it is about Reeve who is a squire mm. um it is about them meeting for the very first time on their first day at Renart Castle the two of them have arrived from other places to Renart Castle. They are both outsiders. They are both new to the castle. Um, and they have been in the castle moments uh, mm. when the fire star, a dazzling jewel of, you know, incalculable value, yes. goes missing. And because they are the last two in the door, they are the first suspected and they have to band together mm. uh, to find the fire star, um, not knowing each other, not knowing much about Renart Castle or any of the people within it, but knowing that if they fail, they will lose everything. Ooh. I know. Everything. Elevator pitch. Their yes. dreams, their yeah. hopes, all the things they want. That was great. Yeah. I How was cool. just settling yeah, in, actually, AL. I was settling in for you to tell me the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> quite enjoying that. 
Well, I can tell you more about it. So on one level, it's about two teenagers who are finding friendship because they're very different people. Mm. Uh, Maven and Reva are quite different characters mm. um, and they approach life in quite different ways. But, but a little bit of chemistry there I, I detected. Well, an interesting bit of chemistry there. It's, mm. uh, it's very, much a, um, very much a friendship. Mm. Uh, That's what a, I meant. There's a, Reeves a very charismatic kind of a guy. He's one of those yeah. people. Um, I think I find Reeve incredibly interesting because I am not Reeve. Um, Reeve is one of those guys who can take the temperature of a room within minutes of walking, you know, seconds even of walking in it. He is going to know who's who in the zoo, who he needs to talk to, what's going to happen. He understands castle politics. He has mm. been on his own in a castle since he was seven. He's now mm. 16. And so he knows how it works, which is an unusual uh, thing for me because my heroes up until now with the Mapmaker Chronicles and the Adam and Cypher series have been more reluctant types, you know, mm. who who are happy to stay home. Reeve's not happy to stay home. Reeve's got stuff to do. He's got places to go. Um, so, yeah, he's been an inter- he was an interesting character for me to write and I really enjoyed him because I think, you know, with any character vicariously you get to play out mm. the bits of you that are not you mm. as well as the bits of you that are you. Mm. Um, so he's, he's quite interesting. He's quite gregarious. He's also male in a world where his world is much bigger than Maven's because Maven um, as a, as a girl in this society has quite a restrictive, uh, quite a restricted life. And mm. so she has a great deal of envy for Reeve for, for many reasons. Um, and also a certain amount of cynicism about him because she also understands, you know, the role of the, the, the kind of appearances aspect of, of court life or castle life. Um, and she cuts to the chase uh, through it every time. And I think because of that, they find this, this kind of friendship that, that there is a, a little spark around and, mm. um, and it's quite an interesting relationship to, to, to um, investigate and develop further. And the, the way it develops in the next book is, is, um, is quite fun as well. Ooh. Hey, um, I, I really like the way that she sees, uh, that Maven sees Reeve because uh, I think she underestimates him to begin with. I think she does because I think she thinks she has his measure and to a degree she does because she's a very, very clever girl. And it's an interesting thing because when I started writing the story, um, I, I went into the story in the same way that I went into the Mapmaker Chronicles and the Outer Band Cypher, which is to say that I went in through the male character because they have agency in these sorts of almost history worlds that I write. Mm. They've got room to move. So I went in uh, from with him um, knowing that he was this kind of social animal, knowing that he's also quite an observant, charismatic sort of a person. And I thought he would make a very interesting detective. Like I had set out from the start to write this, this detective mystery story and I thought he would be quite an interesting person to write it through because people would underestimate him. He's a pretty mm. face. And I think that, you know, he does get underestimated for that reason Mm. and she does the same thing to him when she first meets him she underestimates him um a little bit um but as soon as he met her uh when i was writing the story the first draft she she caused me a lot of problems i'm just going to put that out there right now she caused me a lot of problems because he kind of met her in the hallways. I don't plan my stories. So you kind of ran into this girl in the hallways and she was quite an interesting person to me. And I thought, okay, well, this could work. This could be a two-handed thing and she could be Watson and well, whatever. Mm. Um, and it became very clear very quickly that she was nobody's Watson, that mm. there is no Watson about this girl. Mm. Um, so I thought, okay, all right, so maybe I'll do something different. Maybe I'll write this whole thing from her 
perspective and I had written about mm, probably 20,000 words at this point. So I thought, okay, I'll try it from, from her perspective. Um, so I, I did that. It didn't really work. So then hang I, on, hang I on. You had to go back and do 20,000 words I in a new perspective. I rewrote from her, oh, point, from her point of view and then that didn't work. And so then I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll do both of them. Um, and so I did them both from third person and then that didn't work. And so then I, I realised that she had to be first person because her world is so intimate and so restricted. Um, and so I ended up with this two-hander where he's in third person uh, past. past and she is in first person present. And yeah. it wasn't until I had got to that point, where, I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, three rewrites here at this oh. point. <laughs> I know, it hurt. I have to say that uh, once I did that, uh, the whole thing opened up and then that's when yeah. I had my, that's when I was there. And I think you always know as a writer when you're there. Mm. Um, it just, I was kind of mad at myself that it had taken me a few goes to get there. But did, anyway. Did you resist doing, a, you know, changing perspective and adding a second oh, uh, uh, yes. point of view and all that sort of oh, stuff? Of course I resisted because it was <laughs> work. Like you're yeah. always going to, like I was kind of doing this thing and I was, but I was writing, um, I was sort of still all in his his point of view and it was all still in third person. And I was, it was really hard for me to go forward with it. I was finding it really hard to write. It was like 200 words here and 100 words there. It was like wading through concrete. Mm. Um, so I knew something had to change and it just came down to what was going to change and how was I going to, you know, how was I going to do this? Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting exercise for me as a writer because it did show me, I think it just highlighted for me something that you probably some consciously recognise but don't necessarily think about, and that is the essential importance of the right point of view to tell the story. Um, yeah. Don't think about it until you get it wrong, and when you get it wrong, it's so ugly. Anyway, mm -hmm. so did you uh, did you submit? Um, in in that, that first version, and did you get feedback about the perspectives and all that sort of stuff, or did you go on this journey on your no, own, AI, like a solo elf? I was I was flying a little bit solo. I was working through it myself, but I'm very lucky because I have exceptionally good writer friends, wow. um, and I always, you know, this is something that we talk about on So You Want to Be a Writer podcast. Of um, you need your people, and my people have been with me, you know, for a long time. I've yep. kind of picked them up here, there, and everywhere as I've gone to various things, and you know, from different types of writing too because I you know I've written romances in the past I've done all sorts of different things journalism the whole bit so I got one from journalism I've got one from here and one from there and um I so I kind of ran it past a couple of them who who came back to me and just went yeah this is not working oh um, thanks friends and I said great any suggestions it's honest any suggestions <laughs> yeah no just you need to do something else <laughs> just, <laughs> what, another career another life like what are you what yeah, are you look, actually I thinking i don't here? mind feedback but specific feedback is good yeah, no, no it was but but you that's what you actually need. like from your writer friends that's what you actually need is mm. no this is not working you need to rethink this and yeah. um a couple of them um had you know a couple of suggestions and whatever but it, it was I went back to them again and went what do you reckon about this with the third person first person thing and they were like yeah that's it go yeah. keep going with that now you're a very yeah, accomplished writer sure. you know you're an accomplished writer internationally published and you still doubt yourself and your instincts I guess so does that oh, feedback does that hard yes. feedback ever get any easier no, of course not. It's always hard. And it's, it's always one of those things. I mean, I've got a pretty thick skin these days. I, I, I was a journalist for a long time in magazines. I used to get stuff back, you know, given back to me for entire articles, just a red pen through the whole thing going, no, this is terrible. Start again. You know, so it's, it's for me, it's like the, the skin is there. 
But when I started writing fiction, I had to kind of grow this whole new layer of stuff because it's so personal. Mm. You know, you're putting yourself on a plate and saying, love me. <laughs> and of course, I'm just, she could warm- sing. I told you she could sing. She's just warming up. Carol, up. Warming yeah. up. Um, so wait. you're saying, you know, you're putting it out there and you're going, you know, this is, this is me. This is the best I can do. And people go, yeah, you know what? That third chapter is not really working for me. Yeah. Or what happened to me with a couple of my manuscripts um, with the Mapmaker Chronicles manuscript early on which is yeah you need to lose the first three chapters you've started mm. in entirely the wrong place and mm. you know add that 10,000 on you know here here and here so you know it, it and I've had manuscripts outright rejected and that hurts really badly like that just makes you cry mm. um, and you do but the thing with it is I think that you what you what you have to kind of take on board is also the good stuff to remember that you do know how to do it somewhere in in here somewhere like so when I was having all this trouble with the third person first person thing um I kind of had this thing okay I've done this before Mm. it's been published I can do this it's new for me I hadn't really done the first person point of view before like not not in a in a in a fiction way I'd done it for articles and various things but not you know somebody else's voice and so you kind of like you just have to you have to trust that it will work out and I think learning to trust that process that it's going to actually come together for you in the end. I think that is one of the biggest lessons that you have to learn, particularly when you're waiting around in the middle of a manuscript, just having like me, no plan, no idea Mm. what's going to happen and Mm. just hoping like I just, I do a whole lot of typing with my fingers crossed, you know, in the hopes (laughs) that it's all just going to come together magically somehow. You're freaking me out, man. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I freak a lot come, of people out. We've just come out of Nano, right? Where Adrian, myself, oh, yeah, Tristan Banks, and, and Julian Negri, you know, we sort of supported each other through the month. And we yeah. all had a different crisis at different times. And 20K was like a really difficult time. And Holden Shepherd explained yeah. it as the danger zone. What's your difficult point in a story or your danger zone? The middle. always it's always the middle Mm -hmm. for me it's like i can i can like i because i've done nano several times in fact the mapmaker chronicles the first the first and the third books of the mapmaker chronicles series were nano manuscripts to start with the first book of the Adaban Cipher series, The Book of Secrets, was a nano manuscript to start with. Um, I didn't do one this time around. I started, I, I have got a, I have another whole middle grade manuscript that I did uh, not last year but the year before that, you know, is on submission at the moment. So I actually find nano really useful uh, just as an exercise to kind of get something going, um, you know, every year. Um, but it's always the middle for me. Um, it's always the point where I go because I, I can roll through 20,000 words, like exactly like I did with um, Maven and Reeve. And then I get to the point of like, I, and, and I usually know how it's going to end. As it turned out with Maven and Reeve, I didn't know how it was going to end Ooh. and it actually surprised me as much wow. as it surprised everyone well, that's else. Fun. That is fun. I know, that was fun. But I usually have an idea of a vague idea of where it's kind of going. Mm. Um, so then that's all great. So the last sort of ten to 15,000 words are covered. You've got the first 20,000 words covered and then somewhere in the middle there's a whole nother 15 to 20,000 yeah. that have got to be got across and that to me is where it gets really murky, yeah. it's really murky. Yeah. Yeah, let's not talk about that. I'm traumatised just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, we won't. 
go too far down that path in the middle because I, I actually uh, my, the middle is is one of my favorite parts of this because this is when it's sort of when um reeve and maven really start working together as a team they've sort of sussed each other out a little mm. bit and they've, 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 well, is that a spoiler i probably shouldn't say that but it's a maven and reeve no, mystery, it's a maven so and reeve mystery. You assume they're, they're going to work together i mean i, I think you know they, they're pretty much they have they have to work together like almost from the start and then there's a huge kind of like big you know, reveal there that make that means that they um, they're stuck with each other essentially, and that um, that's an interesting thing too because then they're holding secrets for each other, and holding secrets for each other when you don't really know somebody is a is a big um, is a big thing the trust issue, and particularly with for Maven, Maven is a is not a truster, um, but she is forced to to kind of to to trust him, mm. and I think that that's um, quite an interesting thing as as from the development of her character as well. And again, going into the second book, watching that and watching, you know, what he does with that and what she does with that um, is, is quite interesting as well. I just, I'm loving the fact that I get to write the development of a friendship. And I don't think I've ever thought um, about that be, be, before because um, like with the Mapmaker Chronicles, um, you know, Quinn and Ash are mates right from the start and they've known each other forever. Mm. Gabe is quite interesting with the Adaban Cipher, but he's got these four girls who are so close and so tight that he's always going to be an outsider. Whereas mm. these two, Maven and Reeve, it's like they discover that they're, you know, e equal in different, mm. like in different ways. And I think that that's a, it's an interesting um, dynamic to, to bring out. Absolutely, but you can see that chemistry. You can see the chemistry, I reckon, in their friendship because, yeah, they are so different, yet, yet they work so well together. I think, it's, I think it's captured really well. But what I also love Ooh. is the setting of the kingdom. Oh, and right. That, and that's because I love uh, um, Santa's magical kingdom. But also, <laughs> also I love, and I saw a lot of parallels, also I, lo I love the setting of All the kingdom. All those elves running around <laughs> the place, yeah, right. <laughs> In the five star, um, I was wondering about research and how do you, how do you, and the language you're using and all that sort of stuff. How do you get to make it seem so authentic? Because I assume, Al, that you didn't grow up like in a kingdom, in a, in a medieval castle. No, un unfortunately, I did not. Um, so it's an interesting thing because it comes from. Um, I've I've always had a real interest in it. So for for medieval history, for me, is one of those things. I've read a lot in that area, fiction mm. and nonfiction, for years. Um, so I have that kind of like you get to know how, you know, things work a little bit from that. Mm. I did quite a lot of research in this area also, you know, with the Mapmaker Chronicles. Uh, I had to do the whole sailing. Oh, man, that did my head in. Mm. Um, and, and it's a similar kind of, you know, it's a, they're different kingdoms, but the feel of them is, is similar. Yeah. Um, then the um, Adaman Cipher, I had to go hold out, like right down the church, you know, monastery sort of area. The internet is my friend because there are maps. Like, it's amazing. If you start looking for castles, you can find any number of maps of different castles and the way different things worked. My boys um, have always loved horrible histories novels um, or, you know, horrible histories books, and we've mm. read many thousands of those. Yeah. Um, I love uh, – and also I, I'm, I'm one of those people that watches, you know, BBC documentaries about life in a castle, medieval yeah. castle, where they rebuild them from start to finish. Um, my husband is obsessed with train documentaries where they are constantly going to various bits of the world where there are castles and hidden things under the road and, you know, um, cavern, secret caverns out in the middle of the countryside and all that sort of stuff. So you, I think you just sort of take what interests you and then you extrapolate that out into, um, into another world. And 
the details, you know, it's what they say, you know, big worlds are, are built on small details. And yeah. so you look for the small details that are really going to bring it to life and then you can do the big, you know, brush strokes over the rest of it. And that's, um, it's one of the great joys of it. I love bringing, bringing that sort of stuff. And I, the whole castles and knights and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, who doesn't love that? I know. Who doesn't? It's, it's who? great. It's who great. Did you have the kingdom first or did you have um, Reeve first? I had Reeve first, okay. but I knew Reeve was going to a castle. So <laughs> I had him. Right. There he was, just all ready to go, knocking on the front door of this castle because it kind of the story, the, the start of the story moved around a little bit. Um, and he was right there, ready to go, ready to become, finally become, you know, a squire. He's been waiting all this time and he's ready to roll. And um, so I had him knocking on the front door of this castle and, and then it was like, okay, the door opened and I was like, Okay, what's he going to find in here? So then I had to start really well, thinking about twenty words. Now what? <laughs> exactly. Knock, knock, knock. Three there. Um, I had to think about you know what 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 was going to be in here and what did it look like and how was it all going to be constructed? And I am obsessed with walled gardens. Obsessed. There, mm. there's walled gardens. You know, and that's another beautiful thing about castles is that they often have a kitchen garden or they have a. And I th- actually think there is a walled garden in pretty much every book I've ever written. Now that I, I wouldn't. Really? Yeah. Why I am not be? interested in Christmas elves. I am obsessed with walled gardens. That's <laughs> outrageous. That is outrageous for a Christmas episode. Maybe there's a... mistletoe in there or something. Oh, I don't that, know. Is, that explains it. That, explain it. <laughs> that explains the chemistry. That's yep. it. Exactly. Right there. Exactly. <laughs> now, I want to talk about you as a podcaster. You are one half of the host of the hugely successful podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer. Mm. I was listening to that podcast way before I started my own. And I want to know what you've learned as a writer or as a podcaster Ooh. or as a human being. What have you learned from doing this amazing podcast? And, and when you say that AL is one half of the, of the, of the hosting team, uh, I wonder if she, you know, if you, if you had to dress up as like a donkey, would she be? <laughs> the front half or the back half or would Valerie be the front always half? Always lowering the tone, always. I, I, I mean, I think they would naturally go to one end, but I'm not sure which, so I'm, I'm interested to see what AL will say. I think there would be a fight over that. I think we would what, have... You'd both want to be the be, butt? No, we would both... <laughs> But neither of us would want to have to like bend over for that. So it would have to be, (laughs) there'd be a discussion um, and Valerie would probably win. Lively discussion. Very, very convincing. (laughs) Maybe you can get listeners to vote in or something. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good idea. Um, I think that the thing that you've learned, and I think it's possibly um, because I've been interviewing people for a long time, not just for podcasts, but also through my uh, journalism career in magazines and things. And I think the thing that you learn is that everybody has something important to tell you, to share, everybody that you ever talk to. And it doesn't actually matter whether you think that person is going to have something of you know vast importance for you um, or not. The fact of the matter is that that if you ask the questions and you pay attention to the answers and follow those answers, um, this is what I always say to young journalists, you know, don't just stick to the 10 questions that you've got written down on your bit of paper. If somebody says something that really lights you up, that sparks your, you know, sparks your attention, follow that tangent because mm. that tangent is going to be where all the really good stuff lives. And it might not necessarily, like in the in the world of the podcast, I, I have more freedom for this because um, everything, you know, comes back to the writing journey at some point. Um, so I 
I follow those tangents and that's where the gold is often found and it's the stuff that maybe is not what um, people expect to hear. And that's why Valerie and I always say, you know, like if you are interested in being a writer and you listen to the podcast, listen to all of the author interviews, even the ones that you think are so far out of the realms of experience of what you're trying to write. Like there you are doing picture books and this is military history. One of the most interesting um, interviews I ever did was with a guy who who had run, done a bio of a guy who was a you know assassin in the Second World War or something like that, um, and it was fascinating because he had to deal with the family and he had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff and still get the truth um, you know on the page, and you know those kind of battles of what you what you put in and what you leave out. Um, that's where the essence of any kind of writing is really. And so that's what you learn. You learn to listen and you learn that everyone's got something important to say. And I think that if you kind of bear that in mind as you go forward, um, you're always going to have a great interview. I, I really, really love the the podcast from that perspective. And, you know, I've essentially over the last few years, I've just given myself a master's program in writing, you know, for free, mm. Um, mm. because I get to talk to the most amazing authors of all kinds and they tell me stuff. It's great. Mm. I say, tell me how you did that. And they go, well, I did it like this. And you kind of <laughs> go, well, there you go. Okay, that was worth the price of admission. Thanks very much. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute privilege and I've enjoyed, I enjoy it so much. It's, it's, I'm very, very lucky. Like that doesn't mean I don't have days where I go, oh, God, I've got to interview Adrian Beck today. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that was a tough day. You know, that, that was a tough, tough day. What can I say? <laughs> but, you know, but nonetheless, I, you know, I put my big girl panties on and mm. I front up and, and somehow, you know, there we were. And mm. it was an incredible incredibly popular episode. I, I have to give credit where Thank credit you. is due. Thank you, Alison. That's I what I've do. been telling Danny. I've been telling Danny that <laughs> that, that broke all records. And Ail well, Tate was receiving calls from Hollywood off the back Oh, look, of that I was I was just podcast. being inundated with who was that charming man, you know? <laughs> charming? I, Adrian? Well, apparently, yeah. The right and funny. Person? Someone said he was funny. I mean, yeah. only one person, yeah. but still. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I've got a few aliases and I write a few comments underneath some of those posts. Let's have a bit of a chit-chat here because I'm wondering what Adrian does in his spare time. Does he sit on your website and click his own articles? Does he sit and listen to the Words and Nerds podcast, his own episode on repeat? Because Mm -hmm. top article of how to write funny stories on your website (laughs) and third most listened to episode in 12 months. It was with Tim Harris. Got to give credit where credit's due here as well. Um, but what do you think it is? Uh, is it Look, because I just think he's got a really effective marketing machine behind him. I yeah, mean, clearly true. that's he's what he's everywhere. doing. He's like, yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah. I think it's just you know, and and he's he's yeah out there whispering. He's he's kind of like the podcast whisperer. Yeah, people, <laughs> I am, I am the podcast whisperer. Hey, people don't want to hear about this rubbish, Denny. People want to hear Al Tate sing oh, carols. That's what they want to hear. I just so, wanted to harass you. That's all. I, really I think don't. she's going to go with a bit of silent night. Maybe she's going to go with. Uh, let's think. Adrian, the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> yes, I'm down. Had yes. a very shiny nose, like, like a, a light bulb. <laughs> And yes. if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows like, like a light, a light bulb. bulb. <laughs> That's enough. Go that was now. awesome. Oh, I, I wanted the band Keep to going. kick in. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I do need A.L. Tate's son, who is an accomplished mm, musician, to musician. come in. And yes. they could they could do like they could be the A.L. Tate Christmas album. Oh, don't. 
I don't know that we'd get him on board for that. I think he's <laughs> feel his fee might be a little bit high for the ALT Christmas album. <laughs> and he's, I, I think he knows one Christmas song, which is How to Make Gravy by Paul Kelly. So oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, that. he's very cool. He's very he's cool. He's way too cool for us. <laughs> Hey, um, I wanted to ask you a question. Obviously, you are doing the podcast. You've been doing it for many, many years, and it's been really successful. And I listen to every episode. Mm. Um, He's own mainly. Mm, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I listen over to mine a lot, over, over and yeah. over again. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, just, I pick up so much wisdom. But I'm, I'm just. <laughs> oh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> just How to market my... yourself and other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. Um, now, you're all about the author platform, and now we're mm. not talking about like a little box that people stand on. We're talking oh, about God, the actual, is. is it? Well, sort of is in a way, isn't it? Oh, it's all about getting your soapbox out and yeah. So the am. podcast is obviously somewhat part of that for you, but mm. what can you tell us about the author platform? Is it possible to be an author these days without an author platform? And just mm. how effective is having an author platform? Good question. Look, I think it's, uh, yes, it's possible. Um, and, in fact, people people do it. Um, mm. Most of the people who can actively say that they don't worry about their author platform are generally more established authors who don't need to worry about it yep. or they are authors whose publishing house does a lot of the heavy lifting uh, mm. for them when it comes to that kind of stuff. For your average bear, uh, of which, you know, I'm one, you're mm. one, most Thank of you. us are one, um, there mm. needs to be... Um, for me, all there. it's about <laughs> stealing sandwiches. Yep. <laughs> For me, all it's about is creating a community around you so that when you have news to share, you have someone to talk to. Yep. Um, and also just to basically continue the conversation about your books longer than the two weeks that you're probably going to get on average, you know, because publishing houses are very busy places, publicity departments are very busy places and, you know, publicists work so hard and, you know, God love them, they really do work hard, um, but they have only a finite amount of time and a finite, a finite amount of energy that they can allocate to your book and um, at any given time and no one is going to love your book like you do. No one's mm. going to talk about your book like you do. Nobody is going to put the care into spreading the word, spreading. spreading. I, was, I was kind of halfway with sharing and then halfway with spreading. No, like um, it. Spreading. Yeah, spreading. Spreading. Spreading the word about your book as, as you are. And so it's really important that you put places, you, you know, you put things in place so that you've got somewhere to have those conversations when the time comes. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of authors are very scared of because they you know, think it's, oh, it's about self-promotion and it's about, you know, I, you know, shouting about yourself. And, um, and it's actually really not about that at all for me. For me, um, my whole kind of shtick, I guess, uh, that, that I started out with and then I still do to this day do the same thing, really. Um, I started out as a blogger and I was very much interested in spreading the word about other bloggers that I'd met um, along the way. And when I moved into, you know, writing for children, it's exactly the same thing because if I am helping to lift the profile of, of great books by Australian authors um, and more people are reading those, then they are also going to be, you know, reading more books. Um, and for me, that that's, uh, that's one way of, of doing it. Uh, so I've always had a very community approach to it. Um, I uh, am quite comfortable online now. I wasn't at 
all when I first started out. Oh. But, you know, time goes by. I've been here for 10 years now. So, you know, if I wasn't comfortable now, we'd be having a talk, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm quite comfortable online. And that's been great for me this year because mm. when COVID hit, I was already there. I yeah. had a, a community on Facebook called Your Kids Next Read. I've got a community on Facebook called Your Own Next Read. I've got So You Want to Be a Writer podcast. There's a, a Facebook community attached to that. I've got a blog. Um, I have, you know, Twitter, Instagram, you know, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I line all that up and, pe- and I have a newsletter. I line all that up and people go, how do you have time to write a book? Um, but I didn't do it all at once. And I think this is a really important thing that people need to take on board. I did not do it all at once. I did it in increments. So I started out with a blog and then I added a thing and then I added a that and then I added a whatever. And then Val said mm. to me, let's do a podcast. And I said, mm. what are we going to do that for? Why would we do that? Mm-hmm. Um And then she said, we're just going to talk about writing for an hour a week. And I was like, cool, I can do that. Um, So, you know, I think, and and I, I, that's the other thing I would always say to people is to do what you like, do what interests you, Um, a bit like writing books, do, do what's interesting to you, because if you do what's interesting to you, it's going to be authentic and it's going to be engaging because you're going to be engaged. You're not going to be there. Like you can tell, I, I don't care what anyone says, you can tell the authors that are there under duress. You can tell the ones who've been told they have to tweet, they have to do whatever, and and you can see it. And I feel, I really feel for them because it's clear that they don't love it. So my suggestion to those authors would be find one aspect of this that you do love and do that. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Insta or Twitter or whatever it might be. Whatever's easy for you. Like there's going to be some aspect of it that's, you know, that you're going to find easy. Some people just love talking in schools um, and that's, you know, you you need to, you know, if you're going to build a platform, you can build it offline as well. It doesn't have to all be online. Mm. Um, Going out and talking to, you know, 100 kids is a great way to kind of spread the word about your books. So, Mm. you know, there's lots of different ways of going about it and I think you just have to find the aspect of it that you're comfortable with, that you, well, that you even not even comfortable with, that you can live with um, if you're someone you who's very with. anti you know, the whole thing. Just yeah. find something you can live with, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think like socials, I mean, you can, you know, people criticise them and say they take up too much time or you're just showing a part of yourself. But I actually find it's really good, particularly in 2020, of just building relationships with people, with yeah. like-minded people, yeah. you know, people who you yeah. may not have met in your circle of friends or who might live in a different state or whatever. Yeah. It's a really cool way to connect with people who are like-minded it really might is know some things or might yeah. share a book with you or an idea and I think that is it can expand your community when you don't even have to leave the house how good's that that well that's exactly right and I think each platform lends itself to different types of you know like Twitter is very very writing networky base you can but only but in a really natural way so you can kind of connect with a whole bunch of people in the industry in just a funny sort of chatty way and um and it doesn't feel stressful there's a lot about twitter that is stressful though and i can totally understand why people don't love it Mm. um facebook for me is where as a children's author um is where real actual people hang out like it's where (laughs) parents hang out every parent i know is on facebook you know Mm. it's not kids you're not going to find kids there you will find kids on instagram or you Mm. will find them oh i don't even get me started on snapchat i cannot get my head around Mm. that at all no 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 so again you know you've got to find the stuff you're interested in my boys would be so horrified if i started tiktoking or snapchat that'd be awesome you should wildly embarrassed i could do one now christmas carols immediately I don't even know what a TikTok is, so I'm completely like. <laughs> Neither do I. I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, so, I like, I, I think, you know, if you're going to 
do this stuff. Don't do stuff that makes you feel embarrassed or uncomfortable. Just do things that are, you know, where, you, where you're comfortable. Yeah, be where you're comfortable. Yeah, Debbie makes me feel embarrassed and uncomfortable on this podcast all the time, ALK. Well, you know, I don't and know. You're wearing a fluffy hat, mate. coming back and coming back. Yeah, hey, I love um, So You Want to Be a Writer. Uh, uh, it's uh, I, I think it brings joy to the world. And um, I would like some of the things that I love about it. <laughs> Danny, don't look at me like that. Some of the things that I love about it, that was perfect pitch, was uh, is uh, the um, when Valerie Koo says, how are you, Al? <laughs> and you say, what do you say, Al Tate? I say, oh, fair to middling. Because that's <laughs> pretty much where she's so enthusiastic and chipper. All the time, and then she's she goes perky, and it just sort of feels it's like an affront of the week. Oh no! Does that, does that when you hear that, do you get a shudder? <laughs> I do, I do. It's like an you know, it's like an involuntary action because she, she was talking last week or the week before. She was all like, you know, my word of the week is gurning, and then she puts it into a sentence, and she's like, you know, when I mention the word of the week, it makes Al gurn, and I'm like, no, because my shudder is involuntary, and gurning <laughs> is a deliberate action. <laughs> What? I think Valerie <laughs> might need a right of reply on the Words and Nerds podcast. Maybe she, maybe she does. Hey, um, but one of my other favourite things, and, and probably my first favourite thing of three favourite things. In fact, I could, the list could be. Oh, the, wow, maths that isn't my thing. These are honest. a few of my favourite things, Adrian. Like, that's, that's there's another Christmas. song title for you there. Yeah, I'm not excited about Christmas. I know. Well, Al Tate's going to sing us something to finish the show. But um, Didn't the I really um, do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, I you already sang. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we nailed that. Rudolph. Yeah, that was a rehearsal. Uh, now, so I wanted to ask you, you Demanding. ask everyone the same thing, don't you, when you interview them? At the end, you have a question oh, that no. you ask everyone, don't you? I do. You're not going to ask me that. What's Adrian? the question you ask everyone, And what AL? do I always do when I interview my authors, Adrian? You say, what do, what uh, did just I say put me on the you? spot because I'd much prefer to be uh, natural. Did That's I, what you do always I say. not say every time I prepare my authors for an interview, I say, we have this question that we always ask, <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you in advance so that you don't go, oh, my God, Al, I can't believe you put me on the spot like that. Well, we have Adrian. a different we have a different approach here on working. <laughs> it's a far less professional approach. Uh, I think you'll find you probably I think you picked get up the on best that. Answers, Adrian. I think you get really good, true answers with this particular question you that do? you may well, be referring okay, to. Okay, so Al, Al Tate, who she's not she's not willing to uh, mention it because for obvious reasons, but she asked the top tips. She asks authors mm. top tips. Three for being top an tips for writers. I always writers. ask. Yes. yes. Could you? Uh, I won't say three. Could you give us one? Ten. Tip. <laughs> I could Do you reckon be... you could give us one top tip? And if you need some thinking time, Danny's happy to sing "O Little Town of Bethlehem." <laughs> I sing oh, the drummer boy instead. Yeah, you can sing. Ah, bum, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. I don't boom. know that that's going to help me think. No, it's certainly um, not helping me in any way. All right, I do have top three. So I, I, can, to I don't know. I have many tips. I've, I've listened to so well, many authors give their top tips. With, whatever you're comfortable with. Because um, Danny, Danny said put her on the spot. I said you would never do that. That's unprofessional. But Danny said Danny said that's the way we do it. So I've just I've taken her lead on this, AL. Because Adrian does everything I tell him to. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, I can totally tell. <laughs> Rogue. Um, all right, so my, my number one top tip for authors is always, always finish the book always um, because there are so many people that say to me that they are going to write a book or they're writing a book or at some point in their lives they're going to write a book and I always say to them until you have written an entire first draft until you have a manuscript in front of you don't talk to me about it because unless you've got something complete you don't have a book Um, Mm. so that's always the first thing and I actually got that I got to tell you that I stole that from a t-shirt 
at a Romance Writers Conference of Australia that I went Not to that. in yeah. about 1999 or something. A woman walked past me in a T-shirt that said, finish the damn book. And yeah, I thought, man. you know what, love, you are so right about that. Let's all uh, get so that, that T-shirt. <laughs> that that would is a be- great tip. Yeah, well, okay, well, let's just stop there then. That's great. I'm, all right. I'm glad I asked. My number Thank one you. tip. Hashtag finish the so damn book. You're actually not going <laughs> to give us any more. I don't mind. That was great. I'm happy to end on a high. Ah, uh, what else would I say? Um, <laughs> I, okay, I'll give you the. I'll, I'll give you a couple more. Um, so my second tip would always be to trust the process. Um, you are going to get two points in that manuscript. It doesn't matter if you're writing 20,000 words. It doesn't matter if you're writing 100,000 words. You are going to get to points in that manuscript where you think that you cannot do this, that you cannot go forward, that you, ha- you are the worst writer in the world, that you might as well throw it away. There's no way you can resolve this ridiculous situation. This could just be me. There's no way that you can resolve this ridiculous situation that you've got yourself into. Um, you have to trust the process. The other thing that I would say is go for a walk. Don't just sit there and stare at the blank page that is not resolving itself efficiently for you. Go for a walk, weed the garden, wash the dishes, walk the dog. Um, I walk my dog a lot when I am writing because poor dog, very (laughs) very slender at the moment. Um, (laughs) Because there is something about that active meditation of just Mm. tucking it away into the back of your mind and going out, getting that change of scenery and then you come back to your desk and it somehow has resolved itself. It's like, you know, when you walk into a room sometimes and you know you're on that side of the door and you know exactly what you're going in there for and you walk through the door and you yeah. cannot remember why you are in the room. Yeah. Um, it's a similar process to that, but you're leaving and coming back. I like that. Yeah, that's and cool. it works really well. I think that's three, Finish right? the damn book, go for a walk. Did I miss one? Trust the process. Trust the process. Trust I the process. Even Terrible when memory. the doubt creeps in, trust the process mm, because somehow it, it does work itself out. That's Great br- advice. They are brilliant tips. They are amazing tips. This is why you listen to 350 episodes of author interviews on So You Want to Be a Writer, just so that you can whip out three fantastic tips. <laughs> I reckon she could whip out 300, Adrian. You went easy on her. <laughs> yeah, well, I felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, she, look, that, that is the professionalism that Al Tate brings to the table here. She can uh, she can come up with th- uh, minimum three, minimum three, just like yeah. that, and really just good like ones that. too. Mm. Now, on the Words and Nerds podcast, we don't give you any preparation because we don't do that. So, I'm going to ask you a question, Al. Okay, why do you write? Why do I write? That's a very good question. Um, why do I write? I write because. It gives me somewhere to go. <laughs> Is that when you walk your dog? Crazy. <laughs> gives me somewhere to go. I write because I started, I, so I didn't know I could be a writer for a long time. I, mm. I was always great at English at school, did all those sorts of things, um, but it never occurred to me I could be an author. And I started writing my first novel when I was working as a receptionist on a switchboard in Leicester in England as part of a backpacking odyssey around Europe. And I started writing this romance novel because I was so bored. I was so bored. I didn't even know what to do with myself. (laughs) And so I just started creating a whole new world for myself. And I realised at that point right there that if I wrote, I always had somewhere to go, somewhere else. I love that. So that's why I needed that this year. See, great answer. Wonderful Mm, Thank you. (laughs) Somewhere to go, an escape. 
So, yeah. Adrian, I think you're going to sing for us. Too. Well, I tell you what, I'll I will let uh, because Al Tate it's it's her idea and to do the Christmas episode. So I will let her decide uh, I love, which song. I love how he just gives you the yeah. right there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm. And you know, Al Tate, you can kick us off, and we will join in straight away. A cappella. Um, oh, let's do this. Which, which means um, without shoes gonna, on. Are you going to go in harmony with me when I start out? On yes. On. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we'll go in harmony. So you can choose. I mean, you might want to whip out a bit of Jingle Bells. You might want to whip out a bit of uh, uh, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh, I don't know uh, the words or, to that. Who knows? No, that? Well, we'll make it up. Uh, or or uh, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, it could be whatever you like. You've uh, literally Ayo. gone and Googled, haven't you, Christmas carols? I can He's see looking you looking at your now. screen and I know. Deck I think the we halls, need to... no, the first should... knoll. No. That might be Noel. <laughs> Let's do some fa-la-la-la-las. I think that's fun. Let's okay. do deck the halls, but I can't okay. remember the words. So we, we can only go as far as I can remember the words, which okay, is about no three lines, all right? Yep. I'm Googling okay. them now. Are you oh, ready? That's good. That's good. That's good. Okay. Oh, it's just like all fa-la-la-la-la. Like, well, that's why I thought it would yes, be a good one for us. Like two other lines. They're I, all I can't think of anywhere where fa la 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 is not going to fit except for this interview right here. A.L. Tate coming to you uh, for a Ready? Christmas classic here, backed up by Danny V and Adrian Beck with the classic Christmas carol, Deck the Halls. A.L. <laughs> Deck the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 Tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 for the ancient Yuletide Carol. Fa la 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 That was extraordinary. Record companies calling right now. I can't believe that we don't have Sign a deal immediately. <laughs> I don't get this on the other podcast. <laughs> All right. My family is looking at me like, what is going on in there? Yeah, it's it's weird when you're by yourself because you're just by yourself singing in your room and people are like, what is going on? Yeah. Don't mind me. Just doing uh, stuff. Uh, we should say Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Merry Christmas and, and happy holidays, and however you celebrate. Night. Yes, have a lovely time, however you celebrate. And thank you, Alison, for singing, for being thrown in the deep end, for doing, you know, whatever Adrian's really requested of you. I apologise for his behaviour. Um, it's lovely to see you, author, fellow podcaster, on the show, and um, we loved the fire star. There is a slight Christmas feel about it, but more more so it's a ripping mystery and kids will love it. So go out and get it, everyone. And while you're there, like pick up a couple of books, shop local and support, you know, our Aussie artists and then come home while you're wrapping presents, listen to a podcast. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Hmm. What more could you ask for? Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been you, lovely Aya. to chat with you. And AB, always a pleasure. Yes, I know. <laughs> That's what I like about you. Humble. So humble. <laughs>